So I want to I want to share something with you here on our last Sunday of Advent. The, I uh, we're going to start. I'm just going to tell you something about myself. I do something every single day that makes perfect sense to me, but I know that others find very very strange. I have always loved mugs. How many of you love mugs? I know. Yeah, like it's not just me. There's a thing about mugs. I don't know. I like to drink my coffee out of something lovely. I don't want. The, the old, worn-out, chipped mug. Like, I want something pretty. And I was introduced to Le Creuset mugs several years ago. I was at a friend's house in Edmonton, and she had um, a whole set of Le Creuset mugs. And they were all the same mug, but all different ombre colors. And I thought, well, isn't that delightful? And so I said to Rob, I think we should get a set of mugs like, like Andrea's. They're so beautiful. He just laughed at me, and I didn't know why he was laughing. I didn't understand that Le Creuset was like a really expensive brand. And each mug was $25 each. And he was just like, yeah, that's not going to happen. So what I did was I started asking like for my birthday and for Christmas, I would get like one mug at a time. And I built a collection over time. <sighs> I know, so smart, right? So smart. And now I have 10 of them, and I brought them to show them to you today. <laughs> Hopefully this, my little display works. Okay, we'll do it this way. I automatically want to put them upside down because that's what you do in your cupboard, right? You put them upside down. So, of course, uh, the blue. This is one of my favorites, I think. Um, we have the gray. This one only Rob uses. Actually, I don't know why that is. But that's true. That's the Rob's mug. Um, this one, red, good for the season. Orange. We don't stop there. <laughs> Pink. That's nice for a lovely spring day. Purple. Blue. Dude, you can't tell me that's not amazing, right? <laughs> like, like there's so much joy just sitting here. So this is what my cupboard looks like. Um, oh, this is what my cupboard looks like. But here's what happened with my <laughs> Looker set mugs. Um, oh, by the way, I got a couple at the outlet mall once. They have a Looker set outlet in the States. That was fun, too. Um, I started doing something almost unconsciously after I started this collection. I would go to pull a mug out in the morning of the cupboard, and I would match it to what I was wearing. <laughs> or, and or, because sometimes you're wearing black or something, like I guess I could use the gray mug, but that's Rob's mug. I don't know why, that's just true. Um, I would match it, or sometimes it's the vibe of the day, because sometimes if you're wearing black or something, there's not really a color, so I'll be like, oh, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, a bright sunny day, so maybe I'll use yellow or something like that. So there's, usually it's the outfit, but it's also secondarily the vibe of my particular day. Um, and I intentionally grabbed this red mug uh, the day that I wrote this message. Intentionally, unintentionally. <laughs> Look what I'm wearing. Look what I'm wearing. This is why I was writing this, up, this message at my house. I was wearing this good, life, this good Life sweatshirt. This is the mug that I pulled out of my cupboard. And I don't know what is wrong with me, but I do it every single day. And I took this picture just to prove, because I was writing this and realized I'm doing it right now. I'm literally doing it right now. So sometimes, like I said, I pick a yellow mug because it's a light and sunny day. Uh, that can sometimes happen. Of course, if I'm wearing something yellow, I pick a yellow mug. But the opposite is also true. Like if I'm wearing green that day, I would never pick red or pink but I would use the green mug, I might use the gray mug, I might grab the blue mug, grab the purple mug, like sometimes it's a, it's a complimentary color. Like these are all things that go on in my mind every single day. And if you come to my house and I'm serving you coffee, I will ask you, if you've been to my house, have, what, do I, what will I say? 
what's your favorite color? And I will give you that. And if you go, oh, I don't care, whatever, I will match it to your outfit. I do it every time. Because <laughs> your preference goes first, you're my guest, but secondly, it's my preference. It matches it will, as much as I can, I do this. And it's so weird because it's such an unconscious, conscious thing. Like, I do it consciously, but it's, it's so ingrained in my thinking now. And as I wrote all this down, like I'm typing this out, I started to hear how crazy it was. <laughs> like, what on earth is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? I, I promise you, I promise you, I don't spend a lot of mental energy on it. It just happens. It just happens. I'm aware that it's happening, but it's sort of just like the most natural thing. Like, why on earth would I wake up this morning and use this mug with this red shirt? That's disgusting. Like, I would never, what if I caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror? I would be like, like, no, I don't want to do that. And I, I don't know. <laughs> you guys are like, then she's crazy. Um, I, it's not stressing me out. It's actually doing the opposite for me every single day. I started to think about why I do this. Because when my mug coordinates with my day, it gives me a little sense in the morning that things are in order. Um, I know that that's weird, but that's true. And that chaos can, in fact, be overcome. <laughs> right? Most of life is out of my control. We don't control a lot of our lives, do we? But this one small thing is something I can do to calm the chaos every single day. You know what's a bad day? When they're all of the matching mugs are in the dishwasher. Bad day. Bad day. Bad day. My mind is a very busy place. I think that's true for a lot of people. And this just gives me a little moment of joy every single day. And so before you decide that I'm damaged beyond repair, which is fair, you can make that assessment if you want, perhaps you might ask yourself something similar. What do you do that, that helps you to feel like you're calming the chaos in the world? Like the world is always trying to shovel chaos into your lap, all the circumstances in your life that you can't control. What are the things that you do that maybe are sort of similar in your own way to my mug collection? I suspect that everybody has something that's similar to my matching mugs. Maybe it's the way you fold your socks. Like it's got to be a certain way and it just feels like order. Some of you are like, people fold socks? Like yeah, some people, some people do, they really do. Uh, maybe it's the way you take care of your car. It's like everything else in your world can be crazy, but your car is pristine all the time. Maybe it's your daily Timmy's double-double. Like you go through that drive-thru every morning and it just there's something about the certainty. It's going to taste the same every day. It's going to be the same every day. And there's just something about the certainty of that that helps you calm the chaos in your life. Or it's, it's something like a walk in the woods. It's like if I can just get out in nature for a few moments, I know that everything else will have perspective. Maybe it's your morning routine. There are certain things you have to do at certain times, and that makes you feel like, okay, the rest of the day is going to be okay. Or perhaps it's your workout routine that helps you with these things. We all do things that create structure and order and quiet and a sense of accomplishment in our days because we need these things. And when we don't have these things, um, we long for them. We're built for quiet. We're built for calm. We're built for rest, and it doesn't come naturally in the world that we live in. And this Advent season um, is all about recognizing what we don't have and, and, the, and the waiting and longing and anticipation of what is coming. For the Jews, they, of course, waited for the Messiah to come, the Savior, to free them from oppression. For us, as the church, the bride of Christ, we wait for Jesus to come again and make all things new and complete the work that he started. 
And, and even beyond that, each person, each human on the planet, each one of us longs for hope and love and joy and peace to be a part of our lives. So what we've been talking about all through Advent is that these things are deep longings of the human heart from the fall in the Garden of Eden until today. And we've been talking about how all of them are found and fulfilled in Jesus himself. We talked a little bit last week about peace. Uh, because we were linking it with joy, realizing that where there is joy, it's often uh, linked up with peace for a good reason, that deep sense of contentment that we have, knowing that in Christ all is well with our souls. That's the place that joy lives. It also is so much, just, it's, peace is just a great way to describe that as well. So let's take a few moments and look at it just a little more deeply this morning. And I'm not sure if there's anyone in the Christmas story who exemplifies this more than Mary, the mother of Jesus. Twice in the second chapter of, of the Gospel of Luke, it says that Mary treasured up all these things. In that first time Luke says it, he says that she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. What things was, were, was he referring to? Um, to, to like, just to say it plainly, absolute insanity, like craziness in Mary's life. These are the things that she was, that she was um, just considering and pondering and treasuring up in her heart. Put yourself in Mary's shoes. Consider her life, even if you're familiar with her story. Consider her life. She's engaged, and she meets an angel who tells her that she's going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Then she's almost divorced, because of this fact, but the angel speaks to her fiancé slash husband, and now they both know that the child will be the savior of the world and that they're to name him Jesus. Then they're forced to go to Bethlehem to register, which is another way to say, like, there's a census, so they're going to have to pay more taxes. And she gives birth to this baby in a stable where they were staying because it was the only place that they could find. And then, after she gives birth to this baby, they're visited by shepherds. Ladies, wouldn't that be a lovely surprise after you gave birth? W welcome. Welcome. Yes, sure, I'm, I'm happy to entertain visitors right now. Please come in. They visited by shepherds, but of course they were told to go there because there was such incredible news that they were given. And a whole host of angels appeared to them and told them where to find that newborn Messiah who had come. And then these shepherds go and tell everyone about the baby that she's just given birth to. They go spread the news all over because they're so excited about it. And rightly so again. But what a crazy birth story. And Mary's response to all of this is Luke 2.19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. But of course that's not, that's not all for Mary. They present, uh, Mary and Joseph present Jesus at the temple for purification rites 40 days after his birth. And they're met by Anna and Simeon, who recognize him as the Messiah. And Luke 2.38 says, spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. What a heavy thing to receive. Beautiful, but heavy thing to receive as a new mom. At some point, the Magi come from the east to bring gifts and to worship Jesus. He was probably a toddler at the time. Declaring him to be what they, who they know to be the king of the Jews. 
Then they have to escape to Egypt to avoid Jesus being killed by King Herod. And the reason they even know they're supposed to do this is because an angel again appears to Joseph and tells, tells him in a dream to go and do this. And so they rush off to Egypt to save the life of their little boy. And then when Jesus is 12... They accidentally leave him behind in Jerusalem after the Passover. So if you've ever left your kid behind somewhere, don't worry. Mary did it. People love Mary. So it's all, she, she, she turned out, everything turned out okay for her. So uh, they do leave him behind in a very crowded city during the Passover. I guess they thought he was with, with someone else. Wait, I just did that with my own kid. I left him at church just a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I got a call. Mom, did you leave? Yeah, I'm here, I'm here at the church by myself. <laughs> I thought you were with that. Yeah, right? <laughs> Happens. So they, they go to find him, and, and uh, they, they rush back to Jerusalem, and they are searching everywhere, and they finally find him in the temple courts with the teachers. And Jesus looks at them and asks them, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? What a thing. How many of you have 12-year-olds? What a thing for your 12-year-old to say to you. What's Mary's response? Luke 2, 50 to 52 says, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. How was this Mary's response? Her life story is crazy. We're used to it. We've heard it a bunch of times. Most of us, if this is the first time hearing it, go ahead and go to Luke chapter 2 and read all about this incredible birth narrative of our Savior. But how is this her response? Because when I put myself in her place, my first reaction is not to ponder these things in my heart. It's not. I'm just being honest. And it probably wouldn't be yours either. I would want to hide and, or control the situation in some way to figure out how I could make it less crazy. Maybe match a mug that morning. I don't know what I would do. I would want to ask a million questions. I would want to try to understand everything that was going on. I would want to see the end from the beginning. Or I would certainly want to tell everybody who I knew who, who thought that, that I had gotten pregnant out of wedlock and be like, no, 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 it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. Like, here's what's actually happening. I want to tell my story so that I would save my own reputation. But we don't get any of that from Mary. Mary's response is so beautiful and at its core, anchored in peace. She is just so at peace with the things going on in her life. Of course, the angels had sung about this in, in the song they sang when Jesus was born that the shepherds heard. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Luke 2, 14. And Mary lived it out each day as she mothered the Savior of the world. Turns out, though, that Mary's peace was not simply a special quality that she was born with. That's why she got chosen, because she was the most peaceful woman alive. No, I probably, we don't have any indication of that. Maybe she just happened to be a very chill person. Like, we, we don't, that's, there's no indication of that either. Because even the most easygoing person in the world would have been challenged by the events of her life. It wasn't that she was, she naturally had more peace than others. But we do see that she said yes to peace from the very first moments that we are introduced to her. When the angel told Mary what was going to happen, and she asks, like, how is this possible? How am I going to be, how is this even possible? I'm a virgin. Like, what's, what does this even mean? 
She was told by the angel in Luke 2.35, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's how it's going to happen. And her response to that statement is, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Romans 8.6 says, The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Mary had said yes to what the Holy Spirit wanted to do in and through her life. And then she continued to say yes to every message from the Lord. She was submitted to his plan. She recognized his plan as greater than hers. So she just says, I'm the Lord's servant. Think about what that means. I am a servant of the Lord. I am lower than. I am submitting to. I am going to serve the Lord with my life however I can. I am the Lord's servant. And that is what governed or directed or ruled her mind. And it was in that act of trusting God that she found peace. And it seems for all, for all that we can see that she continued to walk in that peace throughout her life. I'll tell you that of all of the spiritual questions that people ask me as a pastor, wondering how to feel peace is probably at the top of the list. It's probably the thing I get asked the most. How do I feel this peace that you're talking about? Because anxiety runs high. It is everywhere. Uncertainty and fear and insecurity can be felt in every news report, almost in every conversation. And I need to remind you that that feeling that there is fear and insecurity and, and uncertainty and anxiety in the world is not unique. These feelings, some, some are very real. There are things to truly be afraid of, and, and, um, and some are perceived. There, there are things that we have built up in our minds that don't need to be, uh, there's no reason to fear. That these feelings have been part of the human story for many thousands of years. Mary had um, some very real reasons to not have peace. She was alive... Uh, during the time of the Roman occupation. And by every account, the Romans were brutal, ruling by fear, keeping those that they oppressed in poverty by heavy taxation. It was a broken and anxious world that she lived in, that we read this narrative. It was a, it was a scary place to live. It was difficult to be a Jew and to worship God and, and to, to, to believe that he was, he was still caring for his people, that they were still the chosen. Was, everything was hard about her life and about the time that she lived. A broken and anxious world is nothing new. That maybe sounds like a bummer, but I hope that encourages you in a way that, that the world that we live in is broken. And that's not, it's, it's, all, it's been broken since the Garden of Eden. And so this Advent, the question to us is, do we just then, okay, well, we live in this broken, anxious uh, world. Why don't, well, we should just fix our eyes on what is to come. Jesus is going to return. He's going to make everything new. He's going to deal with sin and death and sickness and brokenness for all eternity. And we'll just fix our eyes on that. Is that what we should be doing? And the answer is yes, of course. Yes. I hope that is, I hope that is front of mind for you. That there is more to this life than what you're looking around and seeing in the world around you. There's more. There's an eternity. There's a perfection. There's a new heaven and a new world. There's so much more in Christ. 
But we also look for what is already ours in Christ right now. You see, we live here in this tension of the, the already and the not yet. Jesus has already come, won the victory over all of these things. He is already sharing his victory over death and sin uh, with us when we believe in him and when we follow him and his ways. But there are still some things that are yet to come, so it's yes and. There's the already and the not yet and the peace that we long for is going to be ushered in perfectly when Jesus comes again and makes everything new one day. But I will tell you the good news of this Christmas season is that that same peace is available to us in the already, right now. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Living with peace in an anxious, fearful world is possible when you trust God with your life. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. There's a place to put your anxious thoughts. There's a place to put your fear. There's a place to, to put your doubt. There's, there's a place to put your brokenness and it's to cast it, to throw it, to put it at the feet of Jesus because he cares for you. And of course, Philippians 4. We, we, uh, we chatted about this last week when it came to joy, and I had talked about how these were linked. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again. Rejoice, Paul says. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And he follows that in the same paragraph by saying this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I love this picture of the peace of God guarding my heart. What is it guarding against? All of that fear and insecurity and anxiety that we just were talking about. That when we give all of these things to God, there is a guard set up against those things becoming our, um, becoming our reality. But instead, we become people of peace. And then he follows it by saying, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. There's a promise, church. Matthew 11. This is the scripture that comes to mind when Shay was singing that song today. Because this Jesus who came, this one who gives us peace, he is the prince of peace. And he's the one who said to us, come, to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, friends, all of those other things that the world would offer you, all that fear and that anxiety and that doubt and that brokenness and, and, all, and the anxiety, all of it, all of it is a yoke that is too heavy. And you don't have to carry it. But when you exchange it with Jesus' yoke, you will find actual rest for your souls. Whatever you're carrying, 
It's time to trust God with it. And we can follow the example of Mary who said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Eternal peace and rest is yours when you are a believer. But it's not just for eternity. It's not just for the future. It's not just for the not yet. It's yours today. Again, I said this last week, the fruit of the Spirit, we know that peace is one of them, is already available to being grown in your life as you cooperate with his work in you each day. The Holy Spirit is the fullness of peace as one of those things. He already lives in you. It's not like junior Holy Spirit or a piece of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit living in you, which means you have peace in you already. And he's inviting you to cooperate by casting your anxiety on him and letting him care for you. He's, he's asking you to cooperate by coming to him when you're needing, when you're weary and heavy laden and giving him your burden and taking on his instead, which is light and easy. So here's how you actually do that. I've said things to you like this before, but I just thought it was a great reminder as we're talking about peace. Here's my simple four-step formula. <laughs> I literally do this constantly. Because I, by the way, also live in an anxious, fearful world like you. So the first thing that we do is we name our burden. Name your burden. What is on your mind? What is, what is making you fearful? What is making you anxious? What is making you insecure? Name it. Don't let it fester. Don't let it sit. Just decide, say, this is what is on my mind. This is the thing that is on my heart. And secondly, give it to him. Cast it on him. Give him your burden. Take off that yoke. I, like I do this body pump class um, at Good Life. Like I, and and um, when you have the bar, sometimes you do the squat track and like the bar is like on your shoulders. Sometimes I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to because pick it up and pick it up. Like this is what I feel like. Like this is the heavy burden. It's like, yeah, just like let it go and be like, I'm going to pick up the dumbbell. Like I'm just going to, that's kind of the picture I got the other day when I was in that class. I was like, this is what it's like to take all of that stuff that's on, that's heavy on your heart and just cast it. Give it to him. Exchange that yoke for something else. And the thirdly, of course, trust him with it. Makes no sense to, to give it to him and then be like, but I'll just go ahead and take that back again. And be like, I I'm going to trust you with this. I'm going to trust that if I give this to you, you got me. You have never let me down. Never failed me yet. That was for my mom. Never failed me yet. Was that where you were? Yeah, she was there, yeah. Uh, trust him with it. And then number four, repeat as needed. <laughs> Just repeat as needed. And I don't mean like repeat every six months. Sometimes I mean repeat every six minutes, okay? This can be a very anxious, um, uh, insecure time of year too. Some of us go through some really deep waters. Some of us have really strained relationships in our homes and in our families. And I just want to say to you, you might have to repeat this. Name that burden. This is what's on my heart, Lord. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to trust you to help me with it. Give me peace in exchange. I want to exchange this burden for your peace and that your that God of peace would, would guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And then do it again, and then do it again, and then do it again. The peace that so many need that you might be waiting for. You're like, okay, things will be at peace once we get through this day or this week or this season or this year or even this life, you know, whatever it is, I want to tell you that, yeah, there is eternal peace and rest for those in Christ, 
but it's also here and available for you today. And his name is Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. And he stands here offering to exchange your burden for his. What is the burden you take on in exchange for him taking on all of your burden? His yoke is the cost of surrender and submission to him, trusting him, giving it to him, and then walking in that trust. And I promise you, friends, it's the best exchange that you could ever make. That's the promise of Advent. That's the promise of peace. I, I got to tell you, when I was doing the um, testimony video with Joyce and Alfred, I don't know, Ethan and I were doing that one. I don't know, how long did they tell us stories of God's faithfulness? 20 minutes at least. And so we had to cut so much out of the video for time. Um, if you ever have a chance, just invite them over for coffee and ask them to tell you stories about all the things God has done in their life. It's, it's worth your time, I promise you. You can borrow some mugs if you need to match your outfits. And, um, and I got, I, so I... I there was so much that, they, there were so many more stories and the stories were, had so much more detail of God's faithfulness and showing up for them in, in so many ways. And they weren't able to be here this morning. I sent them the video ahead of time because obviously I want them to make sure they're comfortable with what we're going to show. And, and uh, Joyce wrote me two emails. Like she couldn't help herself. She wrote me this first email that said, I just want to make sure, I wanted to say this extra piece. She says, Jordan, the child who was predicted to be severely brain damaged, um, he finished high school with honors. He went to university on an academic scholarship and then graduated from Bible college. When God performs miracles, he doesn't cut corners. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll share that. <laughs> and then she said one more thing. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. Um, and um, I, I, I appreciate, it's Christmas. I'm going to do this anyway. I appreciate that I'm super biased. I don't care. I want Shay to sing peace again. Yeah. And so... <laughs> so that's my daughter, Shay, if you don't know. Um, you, guys, you guys just join in too. Yeah, yeah, we'll do the whole thing. Um, I just, I want, because I want to take a minute and reflect on what is it that we might be carrying? What is it that we might, like in this season of busyness and, and stuff, here we are in a quiet moment with the Lord and his presence and his people. What is it that we might be able to say, God, I have been holding something. I have been worried. I have been anxious. I have been whatever, and you can fill in the blank between you and the Lord. And do exactly what scripture has said. Let your mind be governed by the spirit and find life and peace today. Joy sent me a second email. She said, one thing I feel bad about not sharing is that when we hit desperate times in our lives and we don't even know how to pray, the Holy Spirit truly does intercede for us. When I scooped up our two-year-old bleeding son in that field and ran as fast as I could for help, I was desperately praying in my prayer language. When cancer comes back and the what-ifs loom in the night, I lift my heart with the Holy Spirit's assistance and the peace that passes understanding floods in and brings peace. I'm so thankful for the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Friends, the Holy Spirit is here. If you haven't, uh, don't know what that means or haven't experienced that in your life, I just wanna tell you, that when you make a decision to follow Jesus, he gives us his Holy Spirit to live in us and to begin the transformational work in our lives. And all of the things that I've been talking about this morning that we've talked through this whole series, all of these things are available because of uh, his, his work in us. 
And this morning, I just want to invite you to invite him to help you. Maybe you're just generally anxious and you're like, I don't even know what, where that's coming from. And so Holy Spirit, help me to know how to pray. Help me to know how to trust, to, to, to give up that burden, to cast that at your feet and not hold on to that anymore, whatever that is. Invite him to do a work in your life. And if you are uh, not, you don't have a relationship with Jesus or this is new to you, I just want to say to you this morning, would you be open to, to just even considering the fact that there is so much more than this world can offer and it's found in Jesus? Let's just take a moment and consider that and let's do that exchange with the Lord today.